Hello, hello. It is great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Path to Abundant Living. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. As always, we've got the stars of our show, and that's Scott Morrison and Matt Nordman of Morrison, Nordman & Associates. They'll be joining me momentarily. But first and foremost, we want to say congratulations on finding your way back here to the show. If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, you know anybody that has seen our show could certainly share with you. You know, the three of us, we tackle wealth management related topics every episode. We're diving into unique experiences that Scott and Matt experience with their clients, some of the wealth management related strategies that they put forth for their clients. And ultimately, this show is meant to benefit you, our audience, because we're going to be discussing these strategies, these, uh, you know, suggestions on how to bolster somebody's financial portfolio to put you on that path to abundant living. It's in the show name, right? Well, today, I really like today's episode because we're really zooming out. You know, if you've been following, Following us for a few episodes now, you know that we've hit a handful of different wealth management related topics, but we felt that it would be pretty helpful to kind of zoom out and take a look at why we're really here in the first place. So today we're addressing this question of what is wealth planning really? You know, one mistake that can be so easy to make is to focus on just simply one aspect within your financial life. And in doing so, we can often miss some opportunities as well as just take on unnecessary levels of risk when doing this. So today we're going to be exploring a way to avoid that problem. And then of course, a way to address really the full range of financial concerns. Luckily, we've got Matt and Scott's help for that today. So let's go ahead and bring them aboard. Scott, great to see you. Matt, how are you doing this morning? How are you guys doing? Ryan, great to see you. Good to see you, Ryan. Hey, we're happy to have you back aboard the show. Uh, I'm excited to jump into today's topic, guys. And I think uh, a good place really for us to start is just that high level overview, right? So Matt, let me throw this first question over to you then. Wealth planning, right? It's one of those terms that most of us have heard a lot. But we don't always necessarily understand the true nature of what wealth planning is. In your words, Matt, how would you define what that is and what it does? Well, Ryan, wealth planning, it's its taking a comprehensive look at your entire situation. You know, what you see a lot of times is when when people hear the term wealth planning, wealth management, they think, oh, it's its just my investments or or the money involved. And, and that is one aspect and an important aspect. But when you really look at true wealth planning, you want to encompass all the different areas that that will include um, tax mitigation, wealth protection, uh, wealth transfer, which a lot of people call estate planning, as well as charitable giving. And when you when you look at all these different aspects um, and, and you delve into each of them in your specific situation, then you can be armed with all this knowledge and in, in your goals and objectives and make sure then you can look at all the, the strategies and tactics that are available to you. You know, there was a, an article and a survey done a few years ago by the Wall Street Journal, and it, and it looked at all different types of wealth planning, and they said, okay, what do you focus on? And, and close to 95% of those that surveyed of the different advisors said, you know, we, we focus on the, the investment side, and then they don't get into all the the true wealth planning of that tax mitigation and and wealth enhancement, wealth transfer, and charitable giving, and and helping someone really look at the entirety of their of their situation. So then again, when you're armed with all that knowledge of of your goals and objectives, you can look at all those different strategies that might be best for you. Sure. Yeah. It sounds to me, you know, it really it's it's getting away from that singular 
you know, approach towards investment planning and really looking at that big picture, all the elements that come into play. So Scott, let me ask you then, do you see, is there maybe a critical tool or even a technique that tends to be a common thread across, you know, wealth planning efforts as a whole? Well, I, I, I don't know that I want to commit to one critical tool, but, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of solutions that we decide to use uh, that should reflect an individual's particular situation. Uh, but that being said, I, I think that the, the core of wealth planning includes some legal strategies and financial strategies uh, that are generally appropriate for most wealthy families, like, like trusts, for example. Uh, trusts are, are always a, a cornerstone solution for many of the successful individuals and, and wealthy families that we work with and are usually incorporated in some way into a, into a wealth plan. Uh, and a trust is simply a, a means for transferring property, you know, using a third party, uh, you know, that being the trust, that entity. So specifically, a, a trust lets you transfer title of your assets, you know, to your, to your trustees, and those are the people that you want to take care of the most. Uh, trusts can be very flexible. Um, there, you know, we'll probably talk about the differences between a number of different trusts, but uh, you know you can use them in all sorts of ways uh, to transfer your wealth and determine how it's uh, distributed. Uh, they can also prove to be very helpful or useful in shielding your assets from uh, you know on you know from plaintiffs and creditors. Uh, and depending on the kind of the trust, there can be some tax advantages. Uh, so, for example, a, a trust you enable uh, that you might use to sell highly appreciated assets. Uh, where you would normally have a large gain, uh, low basis, and, and and are trying to figure out how you might sell that asset or how you might uh, distribute that asset with the least amount of taxable gain. So something like a charitable remainder trust, for example, might be uh, something you end up talking about. You know, Scott, I really like the, the trust example because it does a nice job of really encapsulating that big picture idea within wealth planning. So let's let's get into that a little bit. Matt, could you walk us through maybe those main types of trust that we might see or expect to see as part of wealth planning overall? Definitely. So, so broadly speaking, there's two types of trust. You have a living trust and a testamentary trust. And a living trust is created while you're alive. And a testamentary trust is created once you've passed away, then that trust is created. And so when you are, when you're looking at it, so there's two fundamental areas of that. And so you have a revocable trust and revocable means you maintain control of that trust and the assets in that trust. You put money in or assets in there and you can also take them out, take distributions or whatever the case may be. You are in control of how that trust operates. Now, an irrevocable or irrevocable trust, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, what that is, is when you put the assets in that trust, you no longer control them. It's controlled by however the trust was created, whatever the, the language of that trust states. And what it does is it's removed from your estate. And so when you start talking about different strategies and like you and Scott have talked about the different areas that you can use an irrevocable trust removes those assets from your state. And so in estate planning, that may make sense if you're trying to avoid some uh, tax exposure in the future. Sure, sure. I, I love this, the, the trust example overall, guys. And I, I feel like we'd be remiss if we don't kind of pivot a little bit, though, and kind of talk about maybe some other tools and strategies that are out there that really apply to wealth planning overall. Scott, do you have any other tools or strategies that come to mind that you find that are typically a component of wealth planning efforts? 
Sure, uh, and it's one that's probably not the one that people look forward to, to talking about the most. Uh, death and taxes are certainties for everyone, and so life insurance is one of those tools. Mm -hmm. uh, for the very wealthy, I think people would be surprised that uh, life insurance is still a part of their life, uh, and they face hefty taxes uh, on their estates when they pass away. So life insurance policies can help to pay those, those estate taxes. Uh, and while life insurance can cover estate tax liabilities, this doesn't mean that estate taxes aren't being paid. It just means that life insurance is being used to, to help, uh, help pay for those taxes. Um, there's other options, you know, with, with life insurance policies where, uh, whether you're filing an extension on a, uh, uh, on a tax return or, or using loans to pay the estate taxes, life insurance can be kind of a, a nice vehicle for helping you through a situation like that. Um, you know, so these approaches can be, they can be pretty problematic, especially if the situation involves uh, an extensive family business and other non-liquid assets. So sometimes you need that time, uh, you know, to address the, the estate tax liabilities and life insurance can have a place there. Uh, it's, a, it's a significant component to the overall approach to paying estate taxes. Uh, by using a life insurance policy and estate planning, you can effectively orchestrate the, the transfer of assets and better protect the family's wealth. Uh, that being said, life insurance can be complicated and, and pretty fuzzy, um, making it an area where you know a lot of common mistakes are made. Some people have more life insurance than they need. Uh, others don't have their life insurance integrated well enough uh, into their estate plan. And some quite honestly aren't healthy enough to even acquire it um, or wait too late in the game to, to underwrite for life insurance. So, it's, a, it's something you need to plan for carefully and you need to be proactive uh, when, it, when it comes to incorporating life insurance into the wealth plan. Yeah, I feel like a lot of our conversations here, Scott, come back to that idea of just working with a trusted professional, somebody who's walked this walk, talked this talk before, because, you know, taking on uh, something as kind of fuzzy and complicated as a life insurance policy to, you know, leverage its benefits, uh, it can be a little, let's just say it shouldn't be a DIY project, shall we say. Um, but guys, you know, a lot of our conversations on past episodes, they've been catered towards business owners, right? Because as we talked about in a prior episode, you know, entrepreneurship being a business owner is one of the key drivers really of significant wealth. So that being said, my next question is kind of more towards them. You know, Matt, how might wealth planning as a whole address the concerns of business owners, maybe even a family uh, who's involved with business together? How, how would wealth planning help them overall? Yeah, the, the so a lot of times when like trust, you'll, you'll have partnerships. So Scott and I have a partnership, works fantastic. Super thankful to have Scott as a partner, by the way. Um, and so when you look at partnerships, it can be family members, good friends, or maybe it's just, hey, like interest and, and you create these partnerships. Now, sometimes what can happen is there's a little disharmony, whether it's within the family, if it's a family partnership, or if it's just business partners, they're not family, but all of a sudden, as we know, things can happen. And, and what ends up happening in the future is, okay, well, how do you dissolve the partnership without creating or just separate and continue on with this, these successful businesses without creating a, a huge tax liability? And so consider this example of you have two partners, the 50% owners in, in two entities. One is a manufacturing and a trucking. And so business is fantastic, but they don't get along anymore. And, and if they say, okay, well, I want to sell my half to my partner. Well, 
based on the success of the business, this could create a massive tax implication for them when they sell the business. Well, what if, and, and what we saw is uh, a strategy was created where they did a business valuation and you could see that both the trucking and the manufacturing were pretty equal in value. And with the help of a wealth planner, they created a way to transfer 100% of one business to the other partner. So each of them walks away with 100% of the other business. And what ends up happening is you don't have a massive tax bill by doing this. And so by working with that professional, like you were talking about earlier, you avoid a massive tax bill and then you can continue on and you were able to dissolve uh, this partnership. Yeah, I love that example because, I mean, tax mitigation strategies, especially at that level, like, you know, when it comes to the sale of a business can be, I mean, the ramifications can be massive. So uh, that's a great example. So thanks for sharing that with us, Matt. Um, Guys, you know, we talk about that idea of technical experience a lot on this show with within wealth management or wealth managers as a whole. Obviously, you know, affluent individuals, they want to be working with somebody who has the highest level of financial acumen that they can have. You know, the degrees on degrees on degrees, the certifications on certifications. So in your eyes, Scott, I'll throw this one to you. Uh, what, if anything, should we, should the consumer who may be looking for the right wealth manager to work with then, what should they be looking for when it comes to wealth planning that goes beyond just that, that uh, you know, the technical aspects, that financial acumen as a whole? Is there anything else they should be looking for within a wealth manager? Yes, it's very important to recognize that effective wealth planning isn't exclusively about technical expertise. Uh, That should be a given. But what separates the good ones from the great ones are are seven ideals. And those seven ideals are flexibility, discretion, transparency, cohesiveness, risk sensitivity, and uh, cost effectiveness. I love, man, I really, three of those, the top three that you had just mentioned, Scott, really stood out to me. Flexibility, discretion, and transparency. I can see how each would come into play, but I'd love to hear, uh, you know, your thoughts on the importance behind these three principles. So Matt, could you kind of examine these three principles for us a little more closely? What, what does this mean in your eyes? Sure. So the first one, if you look at it, flexibility, right? When you, we all know life changes our, our own lives and you kind of look back over the last five years and, and you say, okay, what's happened. And then, kind of project forward the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And so you want to have a plan that can be flexible and not flexible with your own life, but also the the potential changes in tax law or political issues and that could affect you and your plan and, and what it is you're trying to achieve. So you want to make sure that when you create a plan that it's not so rigid that you can't, that it can't be changed to the changes that happen in your life and in the world. And then discretion, you know, most people want to keep things discreet. You don't want to draw unwanted attention to yourself, whether it's from people in your local community or the world at large or um, regulators or, or legal issues that could pop up. So you want to make sure that um, it is completely and utterly discreet um, with the plan that you have created. Most people don't want, you know, the whole world knowing their business. Sure. And the, and then the, the third is, is transparent and, and transparency is, is a couple of things. When, when you look at it, it's, it's transparent with everything in case 
the the strategy is is viewed at by say the IRS or an auditor or um, any other legal structure. You want to make sure that it's completely transparent in in that aspect, as well as in operational transparency with the wealth planner and all the other professionals that you're working with. That is completely transparent. The plan so that everybody can see what is going on for you. Got it. And, and Scott, the last three that you mentioned on that list was cohesiveness, risk sensitivity, and I believe the final one was cost effectiveness. Could you take us through those key principles and outline kind of what each of those mean to you in your eyes? Sure. I, I think each of us has probably played that that campfire game where you you lean over to your the person next to you and you tell a story. Uh, you know, you whisper that story and then the next person does it to the to the person to their right and so on around the campfire. What you end up with at the end of that is a story completely different than the one you started with. And part of that is because we've kind of got, we've fallen into a habit of when we, when we talk to professionals, we set appointments with our attorney and we have that conversation with an attorney. And then we have a separate conversation with our advisor, uh, separate con conversation with the CPA. And while each of those professionals, as we said before, is, is technically savvy, uh, it, it, it lends to some misunderstandings that those three entities aren't, you know, having those conversations together in some sort of a collaboration. So the cohesiveness is, is really important. I think that's where Matt and I feel pretty good about the, the professional network that we've put together, knowing that it allows us to have that kind of collaboration, which can actually reduce fees, eliminates a lot of the misunderstandings. Uh, each professional within the network, you know, has his own expertise, his own licensing. So communication between between ourselves is, you know, is critical uh, to talk for the, you know, to talk, uh, you know, for the benefit of the client. It helps ensure that the goals and the objectives remain the focus uh, of all our efforts. And so, uh, in that respect, uh, we're enabling various legal strategies and financial products to work in concert with each other uh, for better outcomes. Uh, the risk sensitivity, obviously, anytime we're talking about investments, for example, we're talking about certain levels of risk tolerance. Uh, even within the planning strategies, though, there's a certain level of comfort that you'll find with a client. Sometimes you, you're describing a, a, uh, a type of plan that, that, for whatever reason, you know, causes some angst, some anxiety. So you want to make sure you're, you're doing, uh, coming up with solutions that, you know, they can range anywhere from a, a very vanilla program to a truly exotic one. But without stepping over any legal boundaries, you wanna make sure there's still ample room for creativity. So uh, therefore it's really critical that, that you and your advisors understand the level of assertiveness uh, associated with any particular solution. And if somebody is a little bit gun shy, you may, you may find yourself uh, you know, not having that capacity for taking the risks necessary. Um, finally, the cost effectiveness you know, always needs to be a focus. Uh, there's times when just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. Uh, there's a lot of times where you can look at something as a very complex and detailed type of plan, which is gonna cost uh, more than something that might be just as effective, but simpler. So we wanna make sure that we're, we're always, you know, focusing on fees and making sure that we're not creating more stress than, than what the plan is worth. Uh, sometimes simpler, like they say, simpler, sometimes often less costly solution is, is just as sufficient. So, Whenever that's an opportunity, we should be looking at that. 
Sure, absolutely, guys. And and I love I love these six key principles because each one really does. It's got really its own level of of uh, importance, really, beyond that technical experience that we mentioned. So as we're kind of bringing our conversation to a head here, guys, um, you know, are there any final thoughts maybe that you have in terms of this this overarching question that we're asking our audience today? What is wealth planning really? Uh, Matt, I'll throw this one over to you. A- any final thoughts on the topic as a whole? Sure, Ryan. So to kind of add on to what Scott had been saying, one of the things that when you when you're looking at your own situation, sometimes it's hard to see. And and so we get so focused on one piece of the puzzle at a time. Whereas when you're working with that that, that elite wealth planner, what they're gonna do is they're gonna take all those pieces and work as Scott was talking about that, that team approach and that cohesiveness to put all those pieces of that complex puzzle for your situation, put it all together and make it just a, to use a, an analogy, just a beautiful picture and help you with that amazing life of, life of significance that you're trying to achieve. I love that. Scott, anything to add finally, you know, before we wrap up today's show? Well, I think again, if we go back to that, that idea that, that, a a, a truly effective wealth plan is going to be very uh, cohesive and collaborative in nature. So somebody is going to have to act. Somebody's going to have to have to act as the facilitator. Uh, somebody who can uh, take on kind of the the role of the captain of the ship. Uh, even though there's a number of different professionals involved, uh, you know, somebody needs to take that that assertive role and make sure that uh, those parties are are uh, communicating with each other. Sure. That and it comes back to that cohesiveness that you mentioned, that collaboration, making sure that open line of communication is there. So I, I hear you on that front. Um, well, look, guys, really appreciate you kind of carving out some time out of your day to go through these different principles with us of what makes, you know, an elite wealth planner elite. Also addressing that question of what really is wealth planning. Well, it's technical expertise coupled with these, you know, these six key core, uh, you know, aspects of wealth planning in and of itself. Um one final question, actually, before we wrap up, you know, Matt, if if anybody was out there listening, watching our conversation today, uh, you know, they're interested in pursuing this idea of wealth planning. Maybe they haven't done it already. Maybe they are already doing it with a different wealth manager. They want to reach out to you and your team and, you know, start or continue this conversation. How would somebody go about getting in touch with you guys over at Morrison Norman and Associates? That's a great question, Ryan. A uh, couple of ways. One, you can just give us a phone call. It's uh, 517 517- Three 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 seven nine six seven, or go to our website to learn more, morrisonnordman.com. And on there, you can see a lot of different aspects of the process that we have in place from starting with a discovery meeting and, and going from there and determining, okay, what's going to be a, a good fit for everybody moving forward. Awesome. I love that. Well, guys, thank you again. One final time for, you know, again, being with us here to walk through this, uh, this topic. We appreciate you and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Hey, Ryan, great to see you again and have conversations. Love talking about this stuff. Thanks, Ryan. Really enjoyed it. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Hey, well, look, and we want to take one final moment to thank you, of course, our audience, for jumping aboard today's show. If you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, please feel free to comment, subscribe to the show, share this information with friends, family, business owners you might know, because at the end of the day, these conversations are meant for you guys. They're meant to provide those strategies, those insights into this world of wealth management and put you 
and yours on that path to abundant living. So for Mr. Matt Norman and Scott Morrison, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're saying so long today, and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors. Morrison, Norbin & Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal.